Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and joining me to discuss what was a pretty awful afternoon at Ibrox and of course what it means for the future are first of all the Sage of Soul Coats, Andy McGowan. Hello David, hello folks. And joining me for a, a rerun really because uh, he was there with uh, with me in press yesterday is Ross Hutton. Good afternoon Ross. Once more into the breach David, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, and we were breached, unfortunately, just before half-time for the only goal of the game, as I'm sure everyone listening knows. Andy, I want to talk, first of all, about the reaction. Not so much the reaction afterwards, uh, although I think I've been... Yeah, I think it's telling, rather, because I haven't been surprised. I think it's been telling how unequivocal it's been. I would say it's easy, 90-10. I thought yesterday was a sign of a crowd who have no faith in the manager, have absolutely lost that connection, is broken. The first incident was the Kamar Ruth substitution, which was met with a, a an absolute volley of booze. I don't think that was specifically about that. I think that was a symptom rather than the actual incident itself, because I think you could realistically go, well, he hasn't played a lot of football, we're making a change. But to me, that's the kind of frustration that happens when a crowd don't have faith that the manager is going to be able to deliver what they want them to. Then at the end, you know, I've been going to Ibrox for a number of years, so I've I've heard some some bad reactions, but that was up there. And I think part of that is just it's a year further on. We don't appear to have any definitive playing style. We're no further than we were when he came in. In fact, because we didn't reach the Champions League, you could argue we've gone backwards. And the fans are sitting at the start of September going, is this going to be another season that we need to write off at halfway through and go, well, we'll plan for next season because we're sick of doing that? I think patience has been tested 
not not just in the, the recent times, but for a long time now with Rangers support. And um, you know, for for me personally, I think it's I cannot believe that we've burned the goodwill, the expectation, the intent to support from from the Rangers support from before the fifth of August to now. You know, before that commando game, we had a lot of expectation. We, we were reasonably happy with the, the summer business in terms of rebuild. I think we had enough belief in Bill to think that he, he could do something, you know. And I cannot believe how far away from what my expectations were um, to what we are. And I think Sunday was just a combination of it because, you know, Davey, I... We boys the friendlies, right? Friendlies are friendly, so you tend not to look too much at them. But even then, I'm like, I don't know what I'm in. There's a lot You're of things happening. Hoping for a bit more coherence Aye. and structure. Yeah, I know what you mean. Results aren't that important. It's about fitness, yada yada. Yeah, also. yeah. but you still hope to see. You hope to see something, yeah, something. that gives you a, a, a glimmer of, you know, we're, we're warming up nicely. The commander game. I could not believe how how bad we were and how far away from anything resembling. What my thoughts on a Rangers, a Bill Rangers team would be, and then even even the likes of the Morton game, I'm coming away for that. And like, you know, we've just eked past a Championship team who should, we should be wiping the floor with. And all right, we change personnel, but I think when you change personnel, it's a good asset test to think to see what is going on in the, in the training part. Is there a philosophy? Is there a foundation? Is the foundations there? Do the do the players know you know what they're meant to be doing in a system? And there was none of that, and that, that really really worried me. You can look at the PSV Eindhoven games in isolation because it was against a better team, but you know, I thought we would be better for playing a team at that level because you, 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 in my naivety, I think you play a team like that with better players. And you know, If you're playing a back of Yoko and a Sangari one day, then the next day it surely holds you in good stead for playing a lesser player, a lesser standard. And coming into the Sunday game against Celtic, we all know the situation, we all know the context, which is that, you know, they they were on a knife edge in terms of their support for Rodgers, because I think they were just waiting to turn on him a lot of their support. And they'd obviously had a knockout. They had a, a, a drama at St. John, versus St. Johnson. So they knew that if they get tipped to or buzz, that, you know, it changes the dynamic getting into the international break. And I think for the next month or so, it puts them under a bit of pressure. But the, the worst thing for me is, Davey, that you know, Bill has said since and before that it was a big game for him personally. So I'm taking it, the players know that. They know the importance and we've went into it and we've been served up what I can only describe as a tepid, fearful, uh, tentative performance at best. And we've handed the initiative to them four games in, four points behind. Um and you know that we we done dominant. We know that the the slow starts were almost a tradition for Rangers, but that was then. This is now. We're in a different environment now, and to be sitting here now, from the fifth of August to now, four points behind with defeat in the bag against a, a, what I think was the poorest route the Celtic side will will likely see this season. It's just it, disappointing. Doesn't even start to describe it, David. And that's why you got the reaction on Sunday because the fans know that. There's nothing to cling to. You said it yourself. No style of play, no foundations of play, no formation. He, he, we've paid £6 million for players and we can't find a spot for them in the start of the Things do not add up. Ross, I turned to you yesterday after about 20 minutes because you need to let an old firm game settle down, absolutely. And we'd 
you know, scored the, the offside goal, and it was offside, I'm not complaining about that, um, but we'd scored that, and you thought, yes, we're right up for this, and then we sat back, and we allowed their inexperienced and nervous defence plenty of the ball, we allowed their midfield plenty of room to just make passes and settle into the game, and we stuck rigidly in our shape, we didn't press, and I said, why are we doing this? Because there's 50,000 here, all Rangers fans, we're expecting a response from the other night. We should be front foot going for this. And instead, we're playing like an away team. We are sitting in and trying to break. And if you're going to do that, you have to win, by the way, because Rangers fans don't like to see Rangers play like that at home. I can kind of understand it if it's a better team and you just kind of get the ball. That can happen, but that wasn't the case yesterday. Rangers surrendered the initiative to Celtic. And my concern is that Bill, and let's be quite upfront here, he hasn't won an important game since he's been here. That's a fact now. And he's made mistakes in those big games every time. And I get that you hire an experienced manager, you've got to allow a little leeway to learn on the job. I do understand that, but he doesn't seem to be learning, um, which concerns me a great deal. And I just got the impression yesterday that that was a Rangers team that were sent out in a must-win game to not lose and lost anyway. Yes, exactly. Andy mentioned there Michael Beale's comments about how this was a, a huge game for him on a personal level. And I think that concerns me because you're absolutely spot on. I think Michael Beale was scared of losing yesterday and you and I sat in the press conference after the game yesterday, David, and I think you and I both said to each other during and afterwards that that is probably the most haggard we've seen Michael Beale look. Yeah. It, it looked as though he just witnessed a murder and you can you write your own jokes in there, of course. But he definitely cut a figure of a man who knew he was under immense pressure and he would have known that pressure going into the game and what would happen if we were to lose. So it definitely felt as though he'd set Rangers up just to not lose that game yesterday and, and hope for the win, which, and again, every Rangers fan spoke about this going into going into that game yesterday. That's not good enough. You're thinking that all the circumstances you could possibly dream of being in your favour fell away yesterday. You're in front of 50,000 Rangers fans. There's not a, a Celtic fan in there who can go and support them and try and egg them on. It's all us. This is a Celtic side that were low on confidence and low on form going into this game. And you had a, a back four, a back five, if you want to include Joe Hart between the six, that just aren't aren't up to standard. We have watched much better Celtic teams face Rangers sides over the past couple of seasons. This is not a vintage Celtic team that turned up at Ibrooks yesterday. And I think that's part of the visceral disappointment that we experienced at the end of that game, and obviously during it, of course, because it is a massive, massive opportunity missed. And now we find ourselves in the first international break in September, four points behind a Celtic side that don't tend to drop a lot. I know I just said it's not the same standard of Celtic side that we've seen over the past couple of years. But but it goes we, back to that initiative question because even if they do drop something, I don't think there's any faith we will make it We will make it count. And we that's, have watched before, David, how, how dangerous a position that is to be in because if this Celtic side know, actually, right, if we drop something, they'll drop more, then there's no pressure on them. Yeah, to they can relax. Points. Correct. Whereas we spoke, we spoke a lot in the 55 season about scoreboard pressure, for example, we could have put them under immense pressure yesterday by going and winning and being ourselves two points ahead of them. So it's just such a massive opportunity missed against a Celtic side that probably won't be as poor as that for the rest of the season. Now, don't get me wrong, it wasn't as though they were battering the door down in that first half for all the possession that they had, but 
that centre-back partnership, especially of scales and, and lager bills, a very untested centre-back partnerships. I know looking just at Celtic social media, their fans are very worried about scales going into that game. So you'd think, right, OK, this is a pressure. fantastic opportunity yeah. to go and put them under immense pressure early doors. And you're right, we get the offside goal. That's no qualms about the offside, obviously. But you think, OK, brilliant kick on from that. And we just never seem to want to do that. So I don't know if the manager's thoughts about it being a huge game for him personally got the better and he maybe, I don't want to say overthought it, I hate that phrase in terms of football managers that they can overthink things, but he certainly set Rangers up to try and not concede yesterday, which given, given the way our back four um, have been recently, that's not an acceptable way to put a Rangers side out. No, I don't like sitting up to play counter-attack if your defence isn't reliable, and else hasn't been. So, first of all, I don't like that, but I really don't like it at home, and I really don't like it against a side that you shouldn't have been showing that level of respect to. Andy, let's deal with the, the controversial moment. Um, Cyril Dessers robs Lagerbilk, uh, who goes down, hoping for a foul. Ref doesn't give it. Rangers play on. Kamar Roof puts the ball in the back of the net. There's a VAR check he's invited to go or he's asked to go and look at the screen he looks at the screen we all know what happens when that happens and he gives it I didn't think it was a foul at the time I don't think it's a foul since um, I accept I might have my blue tinted specs on there um, but my argument with it is that people have said that well that's the rule if you impede a player who's who's playing the ball who's playing a pass but I don't think that that's the case um, other if you like, reasons to think that it was a wrong decision are based on the fact that we've seen several ex-referees come out and say it, it wasn't a foul, it shouldn't have been given. However, you know, there have been one or two have said, no, it was a foul, it should have been given. So it is a subjective moment. The thing that I, I do think is that we're, we're told there's supposed to be a big threshold for proof to overturn a decision. There was surely enough doubt in that to say to the ref, we'll go with your own field one. Well, you know, yeah, when you've got the likes of Steve Conroy, Des Roach, and Dermot Gallagher saying it's a it's a it's a goal, then yeah, at the time I thought it was a goal, right? You, you look at the Celtic players' reactions; none of them are claiming a foul. Most of them are actually hands and heading their hands at the, the loss and re- rebuking the, the boy that lost the lager belt. And I just thought that. So my mind drifts back to the Morelos goal when he, when he pushed. Yeah, pushed inverted commas Johnson. Those are two mega decisions that in key games, you know, because that, that last year that was still there was still stuff to be played for then. Two mega decisions that have went against us, and I think they're a wee bit more than 50 50 in our favour in terms of they should have been they should have stood quite unbelievable. I, I, I know it's easy to then some runs you imagine if this happened to them. But imagine if it happened to them because we would probably be in a national lockdown just now because the martial law declared. It wouldn't have been ruled out if it was them. And that, I think, is the the, the thing for Rangers fans. And a big part of that is, as we know, that referees are frightened because they know there'll be a two-week media campaign about it afterwards. And I do get the frustration that some fans have because that is, as you say, two in the last two important old firm games. And I do get the frustration that they feel that maybe guys like us are, are... too quick to go aye but it doesn't matter we weren't going to win the game I think you can have both I think you can say we got done there which we did and still be annoyed at our performance I don't think they're mutually exclusive Nah David we've watched Rangers games where the the goals went in and the the TV didn't know it was such an obvious goal that the the TV didn't know it didn't rule it we go in and win the game 
So, uh, listen, we, we need to strike the balance here because we can't walk past this decision and, and kid on that it wasn't the key. We get that first goal, then it's a totally different game. We might be talking about Bill different or the rest of it. But I think it would be, um, as you say, kind of paper under the cracks a wee bit because it changes nothing in terms of what we've spoken about already in terms of you know what we're, what we're actually watching. We should have beat Celtic yesterday. The eleven that we've got in a part, the eleven that they've got in a part, I think we should have beaten them. There's reasons we didn't. Um, that goal would have made a hell of a difference. Who knows what happened? But I'm more concerned with the fact that when Celtic score, I'm sitting there saying we're not scoring two. That's probably a bigger concern than, than that. Ross? Well, I think you're right. And I think I've been struck as well by just how many fans aren't using that as a primary excuse for us not winning or getting something yesterday. It was one minute out of 90. But you're right, we can't just dawdle past it. It is an absolutely key moment in that game. And if we go and grab that first goal, I think we've seen it from this Rangers side before, actually. That if we go and grab the first goal, it does kind of give us a wee boost. Now, against that, it shouldn't take the first goal for us to go and kick on. But this is what this side does. We know enough about them uh, at this point to realise that. So it's an absolutely game-changing decision. And I'm getting a wee bit bored now of those decisions going against us in key old firm games and then being told the day after the event, oh, no, you're a wee bit unlucky there. Well, that's I'm sorry, that is not good enough. VAR is not a problem in Scottish football. It never has been. It's been the application of VAR by the people who are using it. Now, if you cannot get those big decisions right in key games, then I'm sorry, you're absolutely no use to this, but I don't expect the standard of officiating in Scotland to change anytime soon. What I will say as well is... I don't want to say credit to the manager for this, but he didn't use it as a as a thing to cling to, I don't think, in the press conferences or these uh, post-match interviews either. He was very much of the mind that, yeah, OK, it's a horrendous decision that's went against us, but we are not good enough to go and win that game at all. So, yeah, like I say, I'm just getting a little bit fed up with these kind of decisions going against us now. But I think I actually said as well when the goal went in, we, were, we did not deserve that whatsoever. And I'm not just saying that with the, the benefit of hindsight, because we didn't. We weren't playing like we were overly threatening their goal either Celtic had a really good opportunity just before it as well but if we get that goal it's an absolute game changer yeah I, I think it's a cultural thing I think we just don't tend to play the victim card very often I just think that we tend to deal with things that that, that come our way as a support um, I, I just think in general that's who we are so it, it's all right saying we should do this or that but I just inherently I don't think that's how we are as a support I think we do tend to focus on ourselves and what we can do to affect things which is probably healthier but um, maybe doesn't benefit us in moments such as that moving on then uh, Ross we'll, we'll go to the goal a couple of weeks ago we were having a wee chat watching a game to, together uh, quite a few of us from from Hartland and Martin made the very good point where he said the problem is with this defence you know at some point there'll be a nonsense and we'll concede a goal, right? And we all laughed because it was a night out rather than, you know, during the game. But he's spot on. There will be a nonsense. There is no danger when the ball is going to Conor Goldson, none at all. And yet two touches later, it's in the back of our net. And that happens so regularly that I'm getting absolutely fed up of the phrase, I thought the defence was okay, barred the goal. Because... If it's barred the goal every single game, and it feels like that at the moment, then you know you you have problems. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and again, this feeds into the, the kind of general frustration that we feel from yesterday, David, is that Celtic didn't need to be good to beat us, and that's not even just the Celtic side. There was times at Hamden last year as well where I didn't particularly feel that Celtic had to be good to beat us. There just had to be a defensive nonsense on our end. Last year at Hamden, we switch off and two touches later, shot us heading a ball home for Celtic and that's us getting beat. This week, Conor Goldson's heading a ball straight to Matt O'Reilly who heads it to Kyogo. And then, I mean, fair enough, it's a really good finish, but we should never be in that position either. It's just an absolute defensive mess. And again, I kind of pressed the manager on this yesterday as well, talking about the sort of summer signings and why not a lot of them started yesterday. And he was at pains to point out that he had signed players, a lot of them attacking for £13 million. But I think a big question that fans were asking before that, and I think they're asking even more so now, is that we haven't really fixed any defensive issues that we've had last season. And that, again, plays into the general feeling of frustration and, and doubt in Michael Beale is that we've had these same problems for years now. At some point, you need to start asking, is a manager the solution here or is it the players? Is it the personnel? That's a conversation that we can have. But we have tried changing managers and we keep conceding stupid defensive goals. And that's just the nature of what this defence offers us at this moment in time. But we we could all see that last season. We could all see the defensive deficiencies that we were offering up week on week last season. And we have had a full summer and a, a quote unquote rebuild that we can go and try and fix that. And we've signed... Leon Balogun, who's not signed to play every single week, of course. So we are still making those same stupid defensive errors week in, week out. And as a manager, if you're not able to fix that, then that's the chickens are going to come home to roost for you. That is meant to be your bread and butter. You need to be able to stamp that out. And you're going to live or die by that. And currently, Bill's job is on the line because we can't seem to stop making these stupid defensive errors. You think, obviously, Andy, I know you were on the post-match as well. After Kamarnock, Kamarnock weren't exactly battering the door down either, but we conspired Somehow to contrive to lose. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, a, a, a stupid goal, and that is the way these fine margins go when we are not good enough at the front, which we're not at the minute, to go and put two, three, four goals past teams. Then you're relying on us being absolutely rock solid at the back, so we can maybe hopefully go and nick something, which isn't good enough anyway. But that's just the way we find ourselves, and we are far, far from rock solid at the back. We're an absolute liability at the best of times. And like you, David, I agree, I'm getting pretty sick as well now of hearing, oh, they had a good game, bar that one absolute calamitous collapse that led for a goal. Well, if that's losing three points every other week, then that's just not good enough. No, it's not. And Andy, we'll, we'll get to the players, by the way, because I think there is a tendency to focus in on the manager that I'm maybe guilty of, the fact that we've started with it. But there are players there that, that deserve criticism, and we will get to that. But on the manager, on his future... I don't think I'm a particularly reactionary Rangers fan. Um, I think I'm optimistic. In fact, some of the, the you know the listeners will will criticise me for it from time to time. That I, I do tend to fall in the glass half full end of the spectrum. It's just who I am as a person, right? But I think I'm not, as I say, very reactive. And I think everyone who, who listens to this show will have their own opinion on it. But I think the majority might agree with me. And I sat down last night because I have my, I, I'm a, a huge one. I know I bang on about this, folks, but there's how you feel and, and logically what you think, two different things, right? And feelings are emotions 
They they don't have to be rational. They they are just what they are. How you feel is how you feel. But then you sit down and you maybe try to think about it and you can see, if you like, information that, that is pertinent to it. So my gut feeling was this is a dead man walking because that's based on 40 years of going to Ibrox, seeing situations similar here, seeing similar situations similar elsewhere. It's based on that. That's my gut feeling, right? He's not got it, unfortunately, and he will end up leaving. He'll end up being fired, whether it's now or a couple of months. That's what's going to happen. So I sat down last night and I said, right, David, come on, be fair here. Let's put together a for and an against list of <laughs> why he should stay and, and uh, why I think he should go. What I came up with on the for list was... He's only been here 10 months. He did sort the away form initially when he came in. Routine games became routine last season at Ibrox. So th- th- those were my pluses. And I think, he, you know, the, or those were all factors to keep him. Here were my negatives. He has lost every single big game he's been in. That's a fact. He has. And narrow margins are not. We've just got an L in that column every single time. There is no discernible style of football, pattern, formation, whatever you want to call it, system, tactics, that I can see anyway. And you know, I'm not a tactical genius, but as a fan, I just I can't see it. I can't say I'm sitting watching it going, I can see what he's going for. It's just not clicking, right? I can't even say that. The football we play is not entertaining if we're being totally honest about it. Last season, apart from the dead rubber against Celtic, the only two really good performances, I think, came against Hibs and Hearts in Edinburgh. And apart from that, a lot of it was fairly turgid. And lastly, he signed a lot of players, and he has signed them, the players he wanted, with no obvious plan for what to do with them. And I just thought to myself that even if I'm trying to make a case and say he should stay because all I can come up with is, well, he's still in three trophies. He could win the treble. (laughs) And that isn't based on what he has done. That's based on what he could do. And if you want to take that to its logical extreme and accept, you know, the wee bit of kind of reductio ab absurdum in here. But if you want to take it to its extreme, you could say, well, Livingston are in all three competitions. Could they win a treble? And you go, well, no, of course not. Livingston couldn't win the title. I, How do we know that? We know it through history. History tells us that. And I'm afraid when I look at the 10 months of Michael Beale, that's what I'm getting. So I'm afraid for once, in my case, and I'm not telling anyone what to think here, but in my case, I feel and I think that we're as well making the change sooner rather than later because we're going to have to make the change inevitably at some point. Me, me and you are annoyingly similar sometimes in, in terms of outlook because we're similar age, we've seen similar things and if anything, I, I then overlay the kind of right, if I was on the board, what would I be thinking? And So personally, I'm I'm probably on the same page as you. In fact, there's no problem about it. I'm on the same page as you. My gut and my, my eyes tell me the same thing. I, I made a comment on Twitter yesterday. I says there's no point actually talking about him leaving because I don't think it's it's on the cards. And, and the reason I said that is because no, neither do I. I, I don't think it's a board's. And I'm not just talking about Rangers board here. A board's job is 
to be more dispassionate and logical. They're, they're, they're furnished, you've got to think, with more information, whether that's financial or personal or whatever. They're furnished with more information. And it's their job to make decisions on our behalf. It's not their job to make decisions that we want them to make. Incidentally, which is a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of disconnecting that and understanding what the board's there for. They're not there to be popular. So as it stands just now, I do not think there's a chance that any of the board are going to be sitting there saying, let's pull it up cord right now. For, for a lot of the reasons you've just given there, but also that we're, we're looking at below the 10-month periods, I don't particularly think they'll be doing it. I think they'll be judging them from this season and, and, and given it's four domestic games in. So so I think it'll be given the time. And also, there's been a lot of money spent on players which he has obviously had a say in and the players will have come and Bill will be been a consideration in that. I think we've got to think of the, the wider dynamics as well. I don't think we're going to get rid of Bill, identify and bring in a new management team before another director of football. I think the director of football, I think the, the board probably thought they had a bit more time to, to get that right, and they did. But it's kind of been scuppered because of where we are just now. So there's that dynamic as well, because there's no point in upending what is the the real strategy that we should be following, if we're being really, really honest, right? There's a financial aspect, and I know folk will go and the finances, but there is a financial aspect. It costs the best part of three, four million to get rid of it and bring in a new team, a new management team. And I don't know where we're at in terms of finances. You know, we've had a rebuild there for what is not a lot of net money by the looks of it. Should that be applauded or should that be criticise that's for another day. I personally think this is this is reality. This is what we've always I've always said is going to be coming in terms of sustainability. So there's a lot more at play than just looking at the um looking at yesterday for a start and just saying look what's happening. But I go back to what you said, David. I thought a Bill football team would have a style of play, right? Because we heard a lot about Gerard's backroom and that Bill was the man that actually was implementing on the training field a lot of the philosophy. The patterns of play, the 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 fact that we're not well drilled at all, right? We, we just don't look like a well drilled team. How many times do you see a player leading the press, turning around and shouting at his teammates as to where are you or do this, do that, you know, there doesn't seem to be a connection between what the system is and the players that are getting implemented. There's a ruination of Todd Cantwell going on here. You know, he's been shunted for one position or other. When, he's, when I, I say after after Kamano, he's the best number 10 we've got, so you might as well just play Lammers as a, an out-and-out striker because he's not as good as Cantwell. There's a lot going on here, David, that adds up to what I think will be a wait-and-see. Now, <laughs> the League Cup becomes central to this because... We've seen Rangers teams and Rangers managers, Rangers players that have been uh, nitro-boosted by success, real success, a piece of silverware. I think this is in jeopardy. I wouldn't put money in this Rangers team at this moment in time, digging out a, a cup win if we had to against the Hearts or an Aberdeen or something like that at Hamden. I just feel that we've got this underlying weakness now and it's been, it's been um, further fractured by losses like yesterday and, and tankings and uh, tanking and Eindhoven. So I'm, I'm rambling on a wee bit here, David, but um, I don't think we're going to get what we're buying. If, if you're saying it's 90-10, which I don't actually think is going to be far off the truth, 
in terms of getting rid of the manager. I don't think it's going to happen. So you lean leaders into an avenue where, right, what do the support do? Do they, do they continue with a kind of campaign or, a, or an unspoken campaign of guys done, I'm done with them? Or do we actually back the board and say, right, well, we are where we are. We need to back the team and, and keep going. And, and, you know, it's all saying when you're going through hell, keep going. It could turn around. Stranger things have happened. Oh, yeah. I, st- yeah. I still think Celtic are, are a wee bit more fragile than they probably, uh, probably believe themselves. Yesterday would have helped if we'd beaten them. But, but we're at a sliding doors moment. We are at a sliding doors moment because we could, we could, we're going to be going into games. Shane Marcel that we go seven points behind, for example, because then it really is shit street, and and that is a a heavy burden of of fear when you're trying to play good football and win games. I think you touched upon something quite important there, Andy, and I think it, it bleeds into the frustration that we could see at full time yesterday, and indeed after the game, is that we have watched this movie before because we watched it last season. Went to Parkhead before the international break and got absolutely scudded off a of Celtic, and listen, the alarm bells for Gio's domestic former were ringing long, long before that, but Gio get the benefit of the doubt because of a Europa League final and a Scottish Cup. Beale does not have that level of the benefit of the doubt. So we know how this movie ends. It could turn around. Of course it could. Anything could happen. This is football we're talking about here. But nobody, well, I'm going to say nobody, you'd be very, very hard-pressed to find anybody who genuinely in the heart of hearts believes that this is going to get turned around under Michael Beale. So what did we do last year? We waited until the situation was totally irretrievable under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, that the league was away and gone over the hill before we decided to make that change. And Michael Beale came in in a situation where the league was just an absolute non-starter in terms of a conversation, and it was about the two cups. The situation we currently find ourselves in is four points behind. It's obviously bad. It's it's not ideal at all, but it's not unassailable. It's not irretrievable in the way that it was when we made the managerial change last year. So I'm, I'm with you too. I don't think he's a man for the job at all, but I do think we need to show that we have learned lessons from failure. And I don't think at this current time we have. Because if we'd learned lessons from failure, we would be ruthless. A ruthless club, club would get rid of Michael Beale. And a ruthless club would make that change now while the situation is still live. I don't want another uh, zombie season almost of 34 more meaningless games because the league is already done. And I think in our heart of hearts, we know that the league is away and over the hill if we continue with Michael Beale. I, I cannot be bothered with that again. And that, again, feeds into the level of anger and frustration because nobody, absolutely no Rangers fan can be bothered with that again. But we face that prospect. So I would want to see the Rangers board, this new look Rangers board, who I think have a lot of credit in the bank, be brave and be ruthless and make that change. I don't think they will. I think they will want to try and stick by their man. But we know how this ends. And I agree with you, Andy, as well. You're absolutely spot on. The League Cup is is more than central. It's absolutely pivotal. It doesn't matter whether it's Michael Beale or whoever it is, the manager. Rangers need this. And I'm talking about Rangers. The club need this because for far too long, we have been crying out for a club that is back to relentless success on all domestic levels and in Europe as well. If we can't win this League Cup, a League Cup where Celtic have given us an absolute gift by their own defeat of Kamarok, then you may as well just forget it because you are not getting a better chance there. But also, like you said, I don't believe in my heart of hearts either that this side can go and, and deliver that for us. I do think there's that underbelly of weakness there that we have seen before. And we have watched this Rangers side, and I'm talking about this Rangers side in terms of the existing players, collapse at hand and under pressure against sides they should be. But it is absolutely pivotal for Rangers, and I'm talking about the football club here, to go and win that League Cup. I don't think we'll do it under Michael Beale. 
And I'd be surprised if this group of players could go and deliver either. But we need to try and move and be the club that we think we are, which is a ruthless club driven by success. And a a ruthless club driven by success makes that managerial change. Here's why I don't think it will... Sorry, Andy. Here's why I don't think it will work. And this isn't exclusive to Rangers. I think that when the fans don't have a connection with the manager, and they don't, right? And we can debate the reasons why. We can say it's unfair that they had that connection with Gerard because he he was a superstar and he had you know that gravitas and charisma, but didn't really have the connection with Gio, despite him being an ex-player, and don't have that connection with Michael Beale. Certainly from you know there's no scientific way to prove it, but anecdotally, and, and I hear a lot from Rangers fans, and there's not a fondness there. So when that happens, then the atmosphere that pervades any football club when that's the case, when you have a manager who the fans don't particularly care for and more importantly don't rate, there's no belief in them, then it it's impossible for the atmosphere not to be one of, as you mentioned there, a little bit of uneasiness when there's a setback, a little bit of fear creeping in which makes it harder for the players, etc. And it becomes a vicious circle. That's why I, I think whenever this happens, it doesn't matter what the club is. That's what I mean about it being inevitable. The fact people always point out Alex Ferguson, there's a reason that Alex Ferguson is the example 34 years later, right? There is a reason for that. It's because it doesn't happen very often. It's an anomaly, not a regular thing, not one you can base it on. Uh, Gerard gets brought up. And again, I would argue that he did have that connection. And as I say, you know, unfair on, on Beal or Gio because he got it for nothing that you could do anything to help with, but it was still there. But also the situation has changed. I'm kind of taking everything from like 2018 on now in my criticism because I'm fed up hearing about before it. That was horrible. It was a weird set of circumstances. It's done, right? Or where we are now, where we should be is something else entirely. And I just don't feel that when a crowd has turned, and they have turned, they're not on the brink on it, right? The vast majority of Rangers fans do not believe he's capable of delivering success. When that happens, I think it's damn near impossible to turn that. And that is the difference, David, between this season and last season. Now, people might disagree with this, but I think the fans turning against Gio was a much more gradual process last season than it was under Michael Beale this season. And the reason for that is because you had things to cling to with Gio. You had that. You could make to, that case, couldn't you? Yeah, you, 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 you had that run to Seville. You had that uh, Scottish Cup win, which of course included uh, a win against Celtic at Hamden. You had points that you could cling to if you wanted. Michael Beale doesn't have that, and that's been there's that's why there's been a much more immediate shift in the fans' minds from he's the Rangers manager to get him out. You can't make that case for Michael Beale. There, there is nothing, and trust me, I have tried. I have tried to go down every logical pathway that I can to find an argument that Michael Beale should be the Rangers manager, and I'm at a dead end every time now. So when the fans turn and turn this quickly, I do think it is irretrievable. I'm really, really struggling. We were having a chat about it earlier to find any examples of Rangers managers who have been in this exact set of circumstances and turned it around. And I don't think Michael Beale's going to be the exception to the rule. No, and Gerard, people have said, you know, Hamilton and whatnot, there was a really weird set of circumstances that came up after that um, that isn't going to be repeated. Andy? I agree. I agree with what you've said, David. I, I think that... Um... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's no excuse. The only excuse I could come up with is new players bedding in, right? But even at that, that becomes more and more tenuous as weeks go by. There's no injuries, no, no major injuries, let's face it. No. You've got a couple of players no. come back to injuries. You've got more or less a full squad to choose from. And it's, I go back to, even with Gerard, right? So we go back to, you know, Tynecastle getting knocked out of the Scottish Cup, uh, the Hearts. You go back to Hamilton, real moments where you're like, is this, is this going to happen? Really, in my heart of hearts with Gerard, I always knew it was going to end one way, which was with success, because you, you can call it what you want, whether it's still a determination, will, will to win, or just this kind of laser focus on where we, we're going to end up. It, it was there, it was underlined, but more than that, you could see things in the team that gave you, um, that allowed you to give Gerard that benefit of the doubt. We were well drilled in Europe. The best, let's face it, as well drilled as I've ever seen a Rangers team in Europe, right? Um, we, we, we seemed to have a system that we believed in. The players understood it. It was just, there was a connection there that you could see, right, well, you know, it's a matter of time. It's just a wee bit of personnel. Individuals like Morales were letting them down time and again, you know, getting sent off, no coming home in time. There was things happening that weren't they really Gerard's fault. Whereas with Beal, I look at it and I'm like, and I go back to fifth August, kicking off the season, to hear it's inexcusable that we've burned all that feel good, and we've got a team which, if you told me did we play two up front or did we play three up front, I've no got I've no got a clue what we no. do. And by this point of the season, and I know it's only four or five games in, I would expect us to know who our first choice strikers are. Right, Daniel on the bench mystifies me. He's the sharpest striker we've got. Play them in a partnership. Uh, don't play them out left wing. You know, I think we should be able to be switching back and forth to three at the back. And by three at the back, I do not mean Lundstrom dropping deep. Right? I, I would be looking for these things to happen because see when all said and done, and I might stand alone here, I think we have got a squad that is capable of achieving. And by achieving, I mean challenging for the title to the wire. And it's no getting utilised. And, and this is where I look and I say... I mean, you used the phrase earlier when Ross about overthinking things. I think there's a lot of that going on. I think um, I think we need to get back to basics, um, but I don't think we've got basics. A few, a few nine, nine different who, starting elevens in nine games. Exactly, yeah. but that, I, I, that's I, chucking I, stuff against a wall and hoping something sticks. Yeah. Exactly, I, th- I think that's my big fear is that Bill has obviously went into this summer with a, a plan and probably quite a coherent one in terms of the way he would want to play and the signings that he would want to make and has been spooked very, very early doors and has chucked it. Yeah. And you can't afford to have that happen to you as a Rangers manager. I think and, the, and Ross, the that's what was, leads to this. That's what leads to this yeah. tepid sit back. Try not but, to lose football yeah. that we witnessed. So, and so, the barometer so, of a successful Rangers manager is not how they are when they're going scud and you're scudding Livingston 4-0 at Ibrox. It's about how you control yourself and your temperament in the bad times. And if you if you are spooked like that as easily as Michael Beale seems to be, then I'm sorry, you're no use. So, so the word I used after the command on game, Davey, if you recall on that flagship, I see the conviction and commitment to the way we play. And um, as soon as I see Ryan Jai or Lundstrom dropping deep to take the balls off our centre-half, I know we've, we've gave up trying to play through teams. 
we have got the players and we should be capable of playing through teams. We don't commit to it. And this is why yesterday and at Kilmarnock, what you find is that, you know, because of commitment to play through teams, play through the lines is what I'm referring to here, isn't it there? We then see long straight balls and sometimes we'll see the diagonals are all right, you know, but they become a default as opposed to, a, 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 you know. Yeah, they should be an option, <laughs> not the option. Exactly. So that is what worries me greatly because I thought when we were getting a Beale football team that we would have patterns of play, we would be committed to play play from the back. I mean, PSV did it, Celtic do it. We don't do that. We shit our pants and we'll launch it up the park um, before we'll try and play out for the back. That is fear. And I think it's something that's running through the team, running through the squad, regardless of personnel. That's the kind of thing that worries me, Davey, is that I can't see what we're... What we're identity is and I'm really flabbergasted that that's the case with Michael Beale because I thought that would be his thing Yeah it's like an identity theft um, rather than anything specific and there there's just a gap where it should be. We mentioned the players and rather than talk about you know the individual mistakes or qualities of, of the players because I think there's a collective responsibility something that was put to me today was this dressing room has had a lot of new players, but there's still a lot of players, let's name them, Tavernier, Golds and Jack, etc., that have been there for a while. Is there a feeling that when they, for example, when that goal goes in yesterday, they go, oh, here we go again. Is there too much scar tissue there? I think I think uh, there's a change in the guard needed. That's why I like Cantwell last season, because he came in there and he, and he, he appeared to boss it in the park, and I, I presume... Uh, had a wee bit of influence in the dressing room as well. Um, so I think there is something there. I've, I've always kind of balked at this scar tissue thing, but I think there is a wee bit of that in there now. Um, so you need the new players to actually have the character. I mean, I remember uh, Walter Smith signing Amoruso, and one of the things he referenced was we need character, you know, because we we're losing the likes of golf. And, and it's a question of character. You're going to need players to stand up and become instant senior players, and, that, and it's easier said than done. And I'm looking around and I'm, I'm thinking, well, who could that be? Would it be Lammers? Would it be Danilo? Would it be Dessers? I don't really see that yet because they're finding their feet and it's probably unfair to put that on them. But I think we need a wee bit of that. I think we need a wee bit of, you know, fear, fearlessness, if you want to call it that. Um, but it's easier said than done. It is easier said than done. And I think that um, leadership is something that I think is... It's no sitting in the squad. It's swirling about at times, but it's no sitting in the squad. But, but you, you couldn't put your hand on a, a player in there and say, right, you're the guy that would grab us with the scruff and edge on the game. Cantwell was the one that I would have said last season had done it, but he's, as I say, I think he's been, I think he's been ruined. And I know yeah, that's a strong word, but no, I think he's been I ruined. Agree. I think, you know, we're not using what we have well at all. And that does come down to the manager. Right then, folks, uh, I know that was a hide-the-sharp implement pod, but uh, we can only tell you how we're feeling, and unfortunately that was how we were feeling. You will, of course, get a full range of opinions, some controversial if you listen to the car pod this week, on Heart and Hand. Uh, You just need to go across to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand to hear all. And uh, yeah, I I accept that this one was a little bit of a kind of three of us agreeing with each other, but... As I say, I, I, you know, this is vast majority of Rangers fans I'm speaking to feel the same. But if you don't, tell us in the comments. And listen, it's as valid 
as the next man's. Right then, uh, thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. A huge thanks to my two compadres tonight. First of all, Andy McGowan. Thanks for having me on, David. I think, I think it's very important to say, look, I hope Bill proves me wrong. I really yeah, do. Yeah, oh God, yeah. And, 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 oh, and I think that, uh, you know, it might be the greatest Ranger story for a long while, but we've got to say what we say and, and the opinions we've got. But listen, we've got to be... We've got to support the team, we support the club, but this is where we are right now. Tough times. I, be, I will be the first to apologise. I will get down on my knees and say, you were absolutely correct. I was absolutely wrong to doubt you. But currently sitting recording today, I do doubt them and you've got to be up front about it. And our thanks to Ross Hutton. Yeah, thanks, David. And just to echo what yourself and Andy said, that we can only feel what we feel in the moment. And if Michael Beale does turn this around and, and wins a treble, then I'll get a cardboard cut out of him and all that for the celebrations as well. But <laughs> we, we are where we are in the moment. And we need to be mindful of that. Right then, folks, thank you very much for listening. I'll be back here in a couple of weeks because obviously it's international break. So until then, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.